Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. That we see here in scripture, and this vine will be eradicated when God is ready to remove it forever. And what they, what they sowed will be revealed. And it is ugly, as you just read. It's not the wine that we normally talk about. This is blood from the murders and the sin of men who'll harvest their sins and reveal their produce. This is not a sweet wine, but a bitter concoction of the blood the world has spilt pursuing its own gratification. One day sin and those who practice it will be placed into the winepress of God's wrath to reveal their true nature at the end. This is likely including, as I said, the battle of Armageddon when blood is shed like never before on planet Earth. How interesting that those who freely and willfully spilled the blood of Christians will one day be forced into God's winepress to shed their own. We've looked at voice number one, the voice of the 144,000. Voice number two, the voice of the angels. Now let's look at voice number three, the voice of the victorious. The voice of the victorious. Moving on to chapter 15 now. Chapter 15. John sees seven angels holding seven vials or bowls of God's wrath. Verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. But before they pour them out onto the world in final judgment, we experience yet another interlude of worship and praise in heaven. Verse 2. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, that's all believers, all Christians, that have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses. That's an actual song. We're going to talk about it in a second. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, and now here's, here's part of the song of Moses. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Now listen, the song of Moses was first sung after God parted the Red Sea. You remember the story. The Israelites were leaving Egypt, and, and shortly afterwards, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his armies, whether to kill them or, or put them back into servanthood. And, and just as they're reaching the Red Sea, the armies are coming over the hill, and Moses sees that this is a problem. We can't cross the sea, and yet we can't stay here. We'll be slaughtered. And he cries out to God, and God goes, stand still. Let me fight for you today. 
And he parts the Red Sea, and of course you remember the Israelites go across, but when Pharaoh's armies try to go across, God claps his hands and that, and that waters come back together and decimate this army. They write the song of Moses and they sing it on the shores because God had taken care of his people and he had exterminated their enemies. And then it was sung again by the Jews re returning from 70 years of captivity in Babylon. God protected them over there. You, you may remember we went through Nehemiah a year and a half ago, and we saw how Sanballat and others tried to prevent the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem. The walls represent protection, and once the city was walled off, they had protection and could defend themselves. And these, uh, these Arabs that had moved in didn't want this to happen, so they tried to prevent it. But God protected the Jews, and they sang this song again when they dedicated the walls of Jerusalem. And it will be sung again by all saints. Every Christian from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, we're all going to sing this. I can't even imagine the billions and billions of people all at once singing the song of Moses. So we better start memorizing the words right now, amen? amen. Listen, I don't want to be caught, you know, not knowing what the words of the song are when it's time. You know, if you've been in choirs before, the choir director will tell you, listen, if you forget the words of the song, just say watermelon, watermelon, and, and it looks like you're singing, right? <laughs> well, I'm not going to depend on that. <laughs> what if I get stuck? What if the angel sticks me right in front of a microphone? <laughs> no, I want to know what the words are so I can sing them, and you can know what those words are and sing, and you can sing the whole song over in Deuteronomy 32. It's in Deuteronomy 32, and you're all writing that down. You want to know the words too. Good for you. It's the song of victory for those who have overcome sin, overcome the world and its temptations, overcome the flesh, and overcome Satan and all of his tricks. Here's how. By God's power and by God's strength and by God's mercy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. So we've looked at voice one, the voice of the 144,000, voice two, the voices of the angels, and voice three, the voice of the victorious. Now let's look at voice number four, the voice of wrath, the voice of wrath. You may recall that we've heard the voice of the martyrs who are crying out for justice. These are martyrs that were killed during the first half of the tribulation. They cry out to God, and they say, when will we get our justice? When will you avenge our blood that we spilt? And God says, just wait a little longer. Hold on. We're going to get there. And here it is. Here's where justice comes. Verse 5, after these things I looked, John says, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever Verse 8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple 
till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now these angels exit the holy temple and they're on a holy mission to exact justice on behalf of our holy God. This is not reckless. This is not a misguided anger. This is the righteousness of a patient God poured out on a people relentlessly hell-bent on rejecting his grace and mercy, hell-bent on ruling their own lives, and hell-bent on persecuting God's children. And God has had enough. The wages of sin is death, and for these workers of iniquity, payday has come. Chapter 16. Let's just pause for a second and take a deep breath. You good? Okay, here we go. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out your bowls of wrath of God on the earth. God commissioned these seven angels with seven vials, seven bowls. Some uh, translations use bowls or vials, but they are God's wrath on the rebellious who refuse uh, God's grace and mercy. Here's verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Now, we've read about former judgments where a third of the rivers or a third of the seas or the third of, uh, of humanity was, was slain or killed, and the seas were filled with blood, a third of them. But this is the end. This is the final judgment, and all of the fresh water is gone now on planet Earth. All of the seas, the life in them. There's no fishing anymore. Can you imagine the starvation that would take place right at the end? Because the food, how do you plant food? There's no fresh water. We live in Idaho where there's farms and there's water everywhere. And the farmers use it to bring about a great harvest every year. But what, what would happen if there's no water available? This is, this is the worst of the worst now. Verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, listen to this, this is great. You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. The angel from heaven realizes and can see that this is a righteous judgment. Verse 6, for they, the earth dwellers, have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. How just that those who persecute and murder God's tribulation saints, the Christians who are testifying and evangelizing, trying to bring people to Christ, these evil doers that slay them will be forced to drink this vile brine of death themselves. Verse 7, and I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat. 
And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. How many times have we read that in Revelation? You know, my heart wants to go out to these people, but boy, they just won't listen. They just won't repent. They just want to blaspheme God's name right to the very end. I believe that suffering is the tool that God uses most often to bring people to salvation. I can tell you in my own life, it wasn't when I was on top of things. It wasn't when I was winning in life that I realized I needed a savior. No, it was when I had lost or was losing everything I had that I valued. And on that dark night of the soul, I call it, when I had hit the bottom of a very dark pit, I cried out to God and he heard my voice. And I said, take my life, take whatever's left. I'll follow you whatever it takes. I'll follow you if it kills me, I said. And he took me and he took me out of that pit. He set my feet on solid ground. And I'll tell you, I don't regret that decision, not for one second. Because when I lost everything, he gave me everything I wanted and needed. Verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Listen, a common belief is that when people get to to hell or arrive in hell, that they're sorry for their decision and that now they want Jesus in their life. Now they want a second chance. I I have believed that my whole life. I no longer believe that after spending these months in Revelation. I no longer believe that's true. I believe if you didn't want Jesus here, you don't want him there either. And even in hell, I think people are going to blaspheme God you know, even in the, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, we don't see the rich man repenting. We don't see him calling out for another chance. We just see him trying to satisfy his own needs. He's telling Lazarus, who was a, you know, was a servant at best in life, come meet my needs, dip your finger in water and touch my tongue for I thirst. He's ordering someone to serve him. He's not repentant. He's not crying out for Jesus. Verse 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Now, Euphrates is a north-south river in Iraq, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. I think this will allow the armies of Iran and others from from the far east to cross over into Israel to meet up in the battle of Armageddon here. Uh, crossing this great river even today would be a challenge with your, for armor and so many other things that you're trying to get to the battlefield. But this angel, the sixth angel, dries up the Euphrates. Now they can go, go across on dry land. Verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of the demons, 
performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth. These are the leaders of these nations that we've talked about. And of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And Christian, if there was ever a time you want to be walking with the Lord and be found faithful and not be involved and caught up in sin, it hits now. I believe that Jesus has his hands on the doorknob and he's about to open the door and call us home. Now is the time. that If you're far away from God, now is the time you want to come home. Don't wait until he arrives. That's not how I want to meet my Savior. Verse 16, And they gathered them, the armies from all these nations, together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Now, Armageddon is pronounced in the Hebrew Har Megiddo. Har means hill or place. And Megiddo means um, slaughter. So it's the place or the hill of slaughter. God has set this and ordained this place up since the beginning of time. Napoleon got to lay his eyes on the valley of Armageddon, and he he gasped and he exclaimed, this in all the world is the most perfect place to fight a battle. He envisioned armies coming together there. And he said, this is a perfect battlefield. Look at this. Well, he didn't know what he's talking about. God knew it. He ordained it to happen. And this is where the final battle of battles will take place. Mankind versus God. A quick side note. Next spring, if the Lord wills, and I underline that, if the Lord wills, Debbie and I will be taking a group over from the church here. Um, of about 50 people, and we're going to go into Israel. We're going to see some of these sites. We're going to stand on Mount Carmel. (laughs) So much happened on Mount Carmel. I won't chase that rabbit, but so much happened there. We're going to stand on Mount Carmel, and we're going to look off the bluff of Mount Carmel into this natural battlefield called Armageddon. And every time I do it, every time, I know it's going to happen, but I still do it. Every time I look over the edge, my whole body just tingles at what is going to take place here. I just imagine all these armies coming. And it's so interesting that the Jewish guides, don't, they, don't, they know this story, but they, it doesn't hit them like it does a Christian. This time we're going to have a Christian guide. But, uh, it, you know, I shared this with my guy. Um, the guide always asked me, hey, do you want to talk from the Christian perspective? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, listen, folks, do you understand what's going to take place here? You know, the armies of the world are all going to meet here. And they're going to do a great battle, the greatest battle that ever will take place. And, and isn't it interesting? Because our guide said there's a natural way from the north. Who would be coming from the north? You go due north, you run right into Russia. Rush. And, and from the east, there's a natural um, valley as well. Where, where does that come from? Persia, <laughs> Iran. And of course, to the west, you, you get out to the, the Mediterranean. And then from the south, there's the valley, the Rift Valley that runs all the way to Africa for those armies to come. I mean, this is the perfect place for everybody to meet, to have a battle. We're going to see this. More on that later. 
Someone once asked me, but pastor, what are you going to do if the rapture happens and you're in Israel? Well, it, you know, I tell them, Israel, uh, Jerusalem is a direct flight right into heaven. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. I'll see you guys on the way up. Hey! <laughs> and we'll be together in heaven forever. We're going to sing and rejoice, worship the Lord. This is going to be amazing. Verse 17, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. Do you remember a few weeks ago we studied the three words, it is finished? Jesus said, salvation, forgiveness, restitution is done. Sin is done. Here, he says, it is done. All of humanity has been judged. It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on earth. Whoa. <laughs> Listen to this. Now the great city, this is likely Jerusalem, was divided into three parts after this earthquake. And the cities of the nations fell. These are the Gentile nations. They're just collapsing. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. This is such an earthquake that the islands on planet Earth just collapse into the, into the ocean. And the mountains can't be found anymore. God shakes the earth so violently that the mountains are leveled. Verse 21, And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Now, talent is 120 pounds. Can you imagine stones just flinging down from heaven on planet earth and destroying evil men? 120-pound stones, and they're rebellious all the way to the end. It's interesting to me that in God's Old Testament law, anyone who blasphemed God was to be stoned to death. Isn't it interesting that when they blaspheme God, the stones come from heaven this time? Wow, that's going to be something to behold. The word warns us that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here and we're to be wary and to be wise in how we live our lives so we don't get caught up in wrong actions or wrong words. Right now we need to be so focused on Christ, so focused on his word that we're living it out and being faithful all the way to the end. We as God's children ought to be carrying out the mission He's given to each and every one of us. And if you're new to our church or just come recently to our church, here's the three uh, missions that our church uh, talks about regularly. They're at the top of the list. One, two, three. One, go tell the lost about Jesus. Two, baptize those who become saved. And three, teach them everything that Jesus taught his disciples. If you're here more than five minutes, you'll see one or all of these in play at all times.
We have just completed Idaho's largest um, gospel um, event two weeks ago when we held the uh, Harvest Crusade. Some 25,000, over 25,000 people came. We saw um, over, was it, over 1,500 walk forward to make a, a confession of faith in Christ. They got a Bible. They got prayed for, and they're assimilate, uh, assimilating into churches. Maybe, maybe there's some in here now. I've met some of you that have received Christ. Maybe you're here today. Go tell the lost about Jesus. Number two, baptize them. We're going to do that next week. If, you haven't, if you've prayed to receive Christ, the next thing that he asks you to do is to get baptized. That's a public confession. That's kind of a public admission of what's already taken place in your heart. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's an outward confession of faith in Jesus Christ. And then finally, teach them everything that Christ taught his disciples. We have a discipleship program here. Uh, we instituted it from the very beginning. One, I mean, there wasn't 30 of us here. We were discipling each other. And we went through this program, and we have now reached, I think, level five. But like the fifth or sixth generation has gone out now. So it's we discipled someone who's discipling someone who's discipling someone who's discipling someone who's now discipling someone. Jesus said, do this. Teach them everything I've taught you. So that's what we do at this church. If you're here very long, we're going to encourage you to get discipled. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.